0: Everyone, welcome to another excited episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur podcast. My special guest today is Abdul Riani. Abdo is the founder of Startup Circle. It's an online platform where he helps entrepreneurs execute on their ideas and grow their ventures through a network of like-minded entrepreneurs and tools. He's also the founder of Aspire IT, a startup development studio for non-technical founders. And recently, Abdo launched the Bootstrapping Summit, where he interviewed and hosted over a hundred well-known entrepreneurs and interview them to get their lessons of how to bootstrap appropriately to grow their businesses. So I, I, I could read out the names of who he had on his program. It's a list of who's who that we all know in the online world. But I'll let Abdo talk about that later. And believe it or not, Abdo is also a PhD candidate in the University of Texas system. So I'm pleased to have him on the show today to tell us a little bit about his entrepreneurial journey, how he got started, and of course, everything we need to learn to take advantage of online summits and events, as well as how to bootstrap your business appropriately in order to achieve that overnight success that you want to achieve. So with that said, Abdul, welcome to the show. Chee, thank you very, very much for, uh, for having me on and thanks for the intro. My pleasure. My pleasure, Abdul. So before we get into the show, you have a very unique and uh, unusual name. It's Abdul Riani. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Absolutely. So I was born in
1: uh, Tunisia. It's it's a pretty small and beautiful country in North Africa. I came to the United States at the age age of 18. I was recruited to come play tennis. Before then, I had played internationally as a, a junior tennis player. I represented the country and I uh, went and traveled and, and played in many other nations Um, I uh, came to study and play tennis represent the university as well Um, four years later, I graduated and was offered an assistantship to uh, pursue my MBA. The same thing happened as soon as I finished my MBA, I was offered to continue with my PhD. But ever since I was a sophomore in college, I've always had passion for business. And I wanted to execute on my ideas and start as soon as possible. Everybody asked me to wait until I finished my bachelor's at least. And I thought to myself, you know, I have time I have energy. Maybe I don't have funding, but at least I can do things to build value and at least educate myself. So I started my first venture uh, back you know, when I was a sophomore, as I mentioned, and I've always had passion for startups. To me, it was unbelievable how a few lines of code can make such a big impact on people's lives. You don't really need a lot of money to build a, a technological a solution or a tech-based solution to solve a problem and that's what I wanted to focus on so I launched Recycler Spotter Recycler Spotter rewarded users for their eco-friendly actions the way it worked was if you have some things to recycle You go to one of those recycling facilities that we've partnered with. Once you recycle, we give you points. You take those points and you redeem them for rewards from local businesses. Those are businesses that we've built partnerships with Mm -hmm. as well. Now, the challenging part was the funding. Now, Mm -hmm. it is true that one of the advantages of starting a startup that you don't necessarily need a lot of money, especially in the beginning, but you need a little bit of money. When I was a student, I had a scholarship that was just enough for me to go to school and to pay for my monthly expenses, but I didn't really have any other extra funding Mm
0: -hmm. to fund
1: the initial stages of the business. So I found a way to pre-sell the product and generate about two thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue about mm. six months before I even launched the application I did things that don't scale I went to web dev- I went I'm sorry to recycling facilities and local businesses I told them. What I'm going to do right now is exactly what I'm going to do when this application is going to be launched. But now I'm going to do it even better because I'm going to be personally involved mm-hmm. in promoting you locally and nationally. And would you be interested for that to invest $200 a month? Ten people gave me their confirmation, and and here, and here, and here we are. I had the funding to build that solution. Once I built that application, um, two years later, I got it to a point where it's, it's, it's doing very well, but I had so much passion to start other ventures as well. I started Aspire IT, the Startup Development Studio, and that gave me an opportunity to get involved in the launch of many other tech Based solutions with many other
0: entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, so, fast forward. What's hold that? on, Abdul. Before you go on any further, let me, let me ask you some quick questions because I took some notes and I don't want to miss some quick lessons yes. that you, you shared thus far. And the first thing is, you mentioned that you did things that don't scale. So, I want to know being a tennis player, being recruited to play tennis for a university, you know, that involves a lot of discipline. I, I lived mm-hmm. with a a roommate who was a college football player. And that means you have to meet all your games. You're always on the road. You have to come back do your schoolwork and everything. And then, of course, you start this business on the side. So tease out some of the lessons you learned while you were pursuing your varsity tennis career. And then how did you apply that into this first venture? So the biggest lesson is persistence, I guess, right?
1: Okay. When you're playing tennis, when you're trying to win, when you're trying to improve yourself, it's not one of those things where you go and practice one day and, and you have you, know, you have everything figured out. You have mm-hmm. to do it every single day for an extended period of time to get results. And I applied that exact same idea in business. You know, uh, I had... To deal with uncertainty in that case, though, in business you deal with uncertainty. In tennis, you know, you look at examples, you look at your coach, you listen to what you have to do, and you just do it. But you then continue doing it for a couple months, and you're good at it. In business, you know, it's all about uncertainty. You just have to uh, react to what you to what new things you learn. Um, persistence is really the biggest lesson I learned uh, from 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 my uh, athletic. Career, um, so you know. Compare. I'm going to compare myself to other aspiring entrepreneurs at that mm-hmm. time, about eight years ago, who started uh, businesses with yep. me. The difference was mm-hmm. that when they faced the money challenge, when they faced the knowledge, lack of knowledge challenge, mm-hmm. when they faced the lack of mentorship challenge, some of them persisted for a couple months, but then most of them uh, quit. For me, I was like, okay, how can I solve this problem? How can I? Um, and I clearly remember the biggest, really the biggest problem I had at that time was money. At least I thought money was the biggest problem. But then when I d- dug into it, when I started learning what else I can do with the funding that I have, I realized it's really not the money that is stopping me. It's in, in delivering the solution that that is stopped that that I'm not aware of. At that. Mm. I could be solving that exact same problem. The problem was that people are not well aware about the environment. People are not recycling enough. So how can I solve the problem of awareness and recycling without needing technology? And mm-hmm. all I had to do was literally connect one stakeholder with another stakeholder and then the first with the third and and I'm you know I'm solving the problem and delivering the solution. Oh. When I approached it that way non-scalably that is you know without uh, without a process that can get to 100,000 10,000 people without mm-hmm. my personal involvement
0: basically legwork boots boots on the ground legwork Exactly leg so do things
1: that don't scale getting yeah. hands dirty So getting your hands dirty, getting, you know, you are the most valuable asset of your business. Mm -hmm. Your human capital is your most valuable asset of the business. So when I approached it that way, I realized that it's really not the money problem. I mean, people will pay you if you're solving the problem. It's true. It's a startup. It's a technology startup. But it doesn't have to be a technology startup that's 100 percent relying on technology today. It can Mm -hmm. be. It can rely on technology in the future when it's ready to scale. But in the beginning, you could be solving this problem and doing it personally or by getting your hands dirty. Uh,
0: Cool, cool. So did that first startup fail? That Uh, first startup exit.
1: No, it did not exit. I actually did have a few offers that I did not accept. I thought, you know, it didn't. I, I at that time it was a long had a long thought process about it, and at the end of the day, I, I, I thought to myself, you know what? I think it's better if just shut it down mm. uh, than just sell it at, at, a, at the prices that I was that I was given. Mm. Um, but before even getting to the point where I was debating whether to exit the startup or not, I was already starting to get involved in other ventures. I okay. found that I was really passionate about the launch of new things. I thought it's unbelievable how you can launch solutions, how from one day to the other almost, if you adopt this non-scalability approach, how from one day to the other, you can launch a solution that makes such a big impact on people's lives. And that's what I really wanted to do every single day. I wanted to start new ventures every single day. And when I got to help and work with six, seven entrepreneurs, while working on Recycler or Spotter, um, opportunities started to 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 present themselves, mm-hmm. and um, I had to make a big decision at that time. I said, "You know what? I'm going to start and focus exclusively on uh, helping those entrepreneurs launch uh, other ventures, and I want to do it every single day." So, passion here is also one very important thing. Uh, that every entrepreneur should uh, should have because it's the long term. It's what I usually say, you know, success in entrepreneurship is a 10-year overnight success. Yeah. Something I learned from, from my mentors, uh, but it's really what – that's what success is about. You can't just get results in, in, in a few months even if you do it every single day.
0: Uh, and now – when you move on to the second venture which is helping other entrepreneurs did you face the challenge of people looking at you and saying hey you know you're this young kid in college you don't have much business experience okay yeah you had your little startup and then you ran it for two years and you closed it did you have challenges like that of people trying to you know put down your experience because you're relatively young and you're relatively new and still growing your skills or was it like hey you know what, I can do this, just believe in me and make things happen. How did you overcome that challenge when it was presented in front of you? Well, I I mean, absolutely, I had those challenges. But here's what I
1: focus on, Chi. I focus on the most viable segment. So the people that are uh, looking for, here's the thing, Chi, you could be, dreaming of working with someone with 40 years experience but are they really going to work with you one-on-one every single day and help you get the results that you want Mm -hmm. most of the time it won't happen it won't work that way sometimes you want people that they have enough experience they have seen enough to take you to a point where you want to be and work with you as if you guys are close friends. And that is the most, my viable segment. That's the most viable segment for me at that Mm -hmm. time. Now, after I built some traction, after I built um, uh, some, you know, a bigger portfolio, then the story Mm -hmm. is different. But I was really looking for the people that I can help and I know they would want my help. Because I was confident I can take them from just a hypothesis or just an idea or just a, an interest in entrepreneurship to first paying customers. And okay. I just needed uh, to tell them and work with them and do it with them because I know I can help them and I know that they need pe- a person like me. So when it came to uh, having a conversation with people who are looking for, you know, those with 20 plus years experience when I was, you know, 22 years old, you know, so that, that was my age. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's not a good fit. So I yeah. move on. And that's, that's very important business in general, because you don't want to have a customer who's, you know, going to be uh, wasting your time and mm-hmm. you're wasting their time.
0: Yeah. And I love what you said there that, you know, sometimes it's just not going to be a good fit. A lot of the times when people start a new business or a new venture, they always think, Oh, everybody in my demographic or in my market segment, I can sell to everyone. But you have to realize that Even in that space, it gets to the point where you still have to pick out, hey, who's actually going to align with my vision, my mission, and my mindset? And a lot of people might not, but they might still be in your sweet target market. So you have to say, hey, it's not a good fit. Sorry, find somebody else, and then you keep moving. A lot of young entrepreneurs do not realize that, you know what, saying no is also a good thing when you're starting out in business. Is that your experience as well? Look, Chi, I have worked with a uh,
1: uh, with two entrepreneurs, and this is maybe my second project with Startup Circle. Mm. Um, and to me, you know, a mid-five-figure project, you know, at that time, still today, obviously, you know, was unbelievable. I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to fight for this project. I'm going to mm. take it. You know, even the way I sold myself and I sold my team, the response I got from those entrepreneurs when they had to make You know, a a final decision uh, about whom they want to work with. They said, the way you described your team and yourself was like, you know, it's a no brainer. I definitely want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Gee, that project went for about six months and we made almost zero progress. These guys were so picky. Mm -hmm. They were so picky about the things they wanted when startup is all about uncertainty, right? Testing. Mm -hmm. He's going to market quickly, uh, validating qualitatively and quantitatively. But when they, you know, because they did not get that concept, because mm-hmm. they did not get that mindset, we did not do any progress, Wow! make any progress. So, you know, had I known what I, what I, what I learned from that experience, I wouldn't have worked with those, uh, with, with the, you know, this entrepreneur, these two, these potential clients, others probably would have helped them better. Um, but at that time for me, you know, that was a lesson, uh, lesson learned because, you know, then at the end of the day, when you have clients, what you want is results because yep. if you can get them results, that's how you're going to get, you know, to another level. Yes, mm-hmm. you can make a short term return, but if you don't make, you know, don't help them get results, you know, you won't be able to get to, uh, your other level. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Very true. Very true. And so this consulting business, you did it, you grew it, you worked on it night and day. How did Aspire IT come into reality? Aspire IT come to
1: reality in a week. That's uh. it's it's one of those things that many entrepreneurs I guess not, I don't know if, but maybe the words don't know. But if you are looking to sell a service based solution, mm-hmm. you don't pretty much need anything besides whatever experience you have, whatever background you have to go to market. All you need is a well defined value proposition, a well defined uh, target uh, segment persona, mm-hmm. and how to convey one to two. That's it. That's all I needed. I mean, I did create a landing page. It was a template that I purchased for like $10, and then I customized, but the rest was all taken one to two, Mm -hmm. and then I,
0: you know, just two weeks later, I had my first project. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, talk a little bit about getting that first client, because I know a lot of early-stage entrepreneurs, they really struggle with landing that first client, and you've already said initially that you know you did things that don't scale but i want you to speak to sales and marketing and actually convincing and closing that first client to give you money and say hey i want to go into business with you absolutely so for me uh
1: uh, with i guess besides my experience with my first startup but with zero portfolio that what Mm -hmm. i what i did at that time was i um i tried to find channels that have the least friction so I went onto
0: a freelancing site and Hold then I, Expl- explain that. What do you mean by channels with least friction? So here's, uh, here's what I was going to say. Or later. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I mean, I, I, No problem.
1: So channel with the least friction um, can mean many things, but in my case, or in the case of a service based uh, business means that a sit- it means a situation where you don't have to fight to convince your value proposition to the client. So in in my case, I think the best way to explain this is by using an example. When I went on to, I said, I think the best way to do that, go to a freelancing site. Here's why. Because people are actually asking for the project. Mm. You don't have to convince them that you need the solution. If I had, if I called email, the person I had to explain that their social media, for example, isn't doing as well and they Mm -hmm. can do better. I had to sell them on the idea of my services. I had to then get on the phone and convince them that I'm the right fit. Mm -hmm. And then I have to convince them about the pricing. But I wanted to start, to build a portfolio, I wanted to start with a freelancing site where people are actually deliberately asking for for employees, for uh, contractors.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When I did that, it did take me too long to convey one to two, the value proposition to the right customer, and then I closed the first project. I did that with a second project. I did that with a third project, all the way until the fifth project, and having built that portfolio, then now I can take different channels, social media, uh, referrals, uh, cold email. I followed multiple channels to acquire uh, the next customers, and then, especially in the service-based business, the referral part makes a big difference.
0: Oh, okay. And I love how you did. You focused on one channel first, which is the freelancing side. Once you got a good list of clients working with you, you have some revenue coming in, you now branch out to social media and email marketing because it's really good to have that initial focus early on and say, hey, let me make sure I get customers from this one channel down and then move on, rather than say, I'll be doing freelancing, cold email, uh, what else, social media chatbots and what have you all at the same time all while you don't have any clients so i really love that you focused on one particular channel and then you went from there and branched out so talk a little bit more about um, helping out your first client you know providing solutions and then the successes you got from that Absolutely. So
1: the first client, if I recall correctly, wanted to create a solution to help students get get in front of mentors. Okay. Um, And, that was perfect for me because it is a business model that is very similar to my first startup, Prosecco mm-hmm. Spotter. There were three key stakeholders. There were mentors, students, and uh, the uh, the platform. I guess that wouldn't be a, a stakeholder, but that would be that channel. Mm-hmm. So this person had in mind um, a, um, or the way they thought about launching this startup was I need money to build the platform. I need money to market it. I need money to run it. I need that. was exactly what I had when I started my first venture. Yeah. And that was exactly what I tried to overcome when I launched my first venture. So I started, we started doing things that don't scale. All we had to do was actually not even a website, but we did create a small website, is have a website that uh, had a list of mentors. Whom we contacted from local chambers of commerce,
0: mm. from
1: uh, SCORE, which is an organization uh, from uh, the university. And after we had that first or those first 10 people, 10 mentors, all I had to do was, was just get them in front of the right people. Yeah. And in the beginning, when you're looking after your first customers, it's very, very, or users, it's very, very important that you ignore every Channel you have in mind. The only channel that would work for your first customers is when you hand recruit those customers. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, don't focus about on anything else. I can give you countless examples. Groupon, for example, when they mm-hmm. got the first deal, they went out in the they went in the building where their office was located. And then they knocked on every office and told them, here's the offer that we have for today from this pizza shop, would you be interested in buying it? Mm. Countless other examples I can share with you that follow this idea of your first customers are hand recruited. So Mm -hmm. we went to business incubators, we went to uh, the local chamber of commerce, we went to uh, meetups, we went to anywhere we can find a group of entrepreneurs who need mentorship, and who want to be connected with a mentor. Oh. We had the first 200 users in about maybe three weeks, and then the channel or the distribution channel was simply email. So we send them every week. List of mentors are available for an hour or two, and we tell them uh, if you want to work with this mentor for this hour, all you have to do is just email us, and we'll connect you with them. Now, what this entrepreneur wanted to do in the beginning was a platform that allowed you to create an account, to verify your status, to connect you with the mentor automatically, to link with Skype, to record the session, to schedule calendars and all those things. We we got rid of all of that. And that's how we went to our first users. Now, haven't done that and haven't had some traction we went to the same chamber. We went to the same organizations and told them, would you be interested in sponsoring this cause, mm. this venture that we're doing? And there you go. Just two weeks later, the guy is generating about maybe $1,500 from sponsors. And, you know, he's he's accomplished my goals. My goals, you know, is, is accomplished with him.
0: Awesome. 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 So now, how did you start up um, Startup Circle? Was that in relation to Aspire IT or you felt the itch to try something different? Uh, Startup Circle
1: is not um, you know, uh, connected, I guess, to Aspire The okay. Startup Circle features entrepreneurs on a daily basis through live Q&A sessions and connect those entrepreneurs with aspiring and starting and even growing founders mm-hmm. for live Q&A sessions. We limit it to three people so, so that those who join can get the most value from those sessions, not just ask questions, but also ask follow-up questions. And the vision here, Chi, really, is to have this reference or resource for entrepreneurs to join multiple live sessions in the day, connect with many entrepreneurs, get value, and and learn and apply. Get answers that truly apply to them. So I created Startup Circle really to solve this problem of connecting very successful entrepreneurs with founders who may not easily be able to access their resources and their advice. Mm. Some of them don't coach or consult. Some of them, you know, uh, would charge a lot of money for their time. Mm. I was the middle person. I am the middle person right now. And starting next month, what we're going to do to make it even better for the entrepreneurs who are on startup circle is allow them to interview who they want to interview. So, this way, we can also connect them with uh, the founders in a direct way as well, in addition to being attendees if they're interested in doing that. Oh,
0: so, so what you're saying, the audience now becomes the, they become the middleman like you. So, you give them the opportunity to say, hey, I want to interview Neil Patel, for example, and then you connect them with Neil Patel. Through a, through Startup Circle, of course. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they have to be we'll, – we'll, we'll train them. The, mm-hmm.
1: We're not just going to throw them there and, and we'll train them. We'll show them. Uh, Zenia, for example, who's been active at Startup Circle and over the past month, uh, joining many sessions, she's going to be uh, interviewing uh, someone uh, next week. Um, and, um, and we want to have those kind of things happen more often because mm. that – Chi is what's going to make it scalable. Otherwise, mm-hmm. if I am the one involved in interviewing every single person, that's not gonna be you know possible. I do about yeah. three, four a day. And if you know we want to get to fifty, a hundred a day in different uh, in different regions with different languages, I cannot mm-hmm. be the only one uh, mm-hmm. doing this. Chi, I'm sorry, I want to ask something else about startup circle. Sure. We talked about doing things that don't scale, right? Mm-hmm. So Someone else probably would want to create this platform that can connect with a video service provider. Would have memberships. Would have, you know, subscription. We have verification. All I needed to do was solve the problem, and that problem was uh, high-quality entrepreneurs uh, will will rarely give their time and attention mm-hmm. to aspiring, starting, passionate founders. Yes. So all I had to do was connect the two, and all I needed for that was. An account at Zoom that uh, costs $14 a month, and I got the yearly one, so I get discounted ones. And then a way to capture the email addresses of people and connect them with the right sessions. So instead of doing all the verifications, I, need, I always make sure that those who join are people that really need to be there. Okay. All I do is when they create an account, I tell them, get back to me with your most active social media account. I verify who they are, make sure they're real people, really interested in learning, mm-hmm. and I tell them, "Then here's the upcoming sessions we have. You know, 50 coming up. Select one or two or three or as many as you want, and I'll send you the link privately. And it's mm-hmm. a one of first come, first serve. We want to limit it limited to three people so that those who join can truly benefit from the sessions. Otherwise, I might as well do a Facebook Live or YouTube Live, which is I don't want. It. Something yeah. won't really help us accomplish the goal."
0: Yeah. And now the follow up question to that is so, what is the value to the entrepreneurs you bring on or you ask to say, hey, we want to interview? Because I would assume that if you're talking to like a high level entrepreneur and they've seen your work and they've done a little bit of research, they say, okay, yeah, this Abdo guy seems cool and he knows what he's doing. I'll go interview with him. And then it's now like, okay, instead of Abdo, it's some young. person that i don't know that's going to interview mm-hmm. me so what's, what's what's the value for for that person
1: i think this is a great transition to the bootstrapping summit so let's start from here yeah.
0: the value is
1: two things first of all exposure yep. exposure to the startup circle community exposure to the people that are going to be joining us you know today tomorrow the next day a month later a year later and so on and so forth the second thing is is expertise. Gee, people like to be experts. The least Mm. we can do is highlight their expertise. When we just put them on that screen and highlight their their achievements and and tell people who they are and feature them to the world, you know, that's already a very big advantage uh, for or that's already a strong argument for them to come on and, and, and talk to us. Now, you asked about you know what's the value of them getting on an interview with a maybe a young entrepreneur or or an ex- experienced entrepreneur well, the value is going to be exactly the same. It's, okay. it's expertise and it's exposure. Now it's just going to be a different person. And I think they would appreciate that we're putting someone who is, you know, rising and passionate and has done a lot of research about them and has prepared questions to come yeah. and, and, and do an interview with them. Okay. Um, so at the end of the day, it's the same thing. We're highlighting okay. their expertise and we are uh, featuring them to uh, a big audience.
0: Okay, so basically, you're getting someone that is really excited to talk to the person, and that person must have done thorough homework, yeah, in order to in order to be there because it's not just hey. So tell me about yourself, and hey, when did you start your company? Why did you call it uh, Groupon? <laughs> okay, very cool, very cool. And then I guess yeah, like you said, that's a very good segue to bootstrapping. So so let's spend time a little bit and talk about you know hosting online events bootstrapping summit. I saw that you interviewed over 100 people. What, what led you to create the bootstrapping summit and why do you think this is such a very important but underutilized channel that most people are not leveraging today? So, gee, the way I describe it, I think creating an online
1: event is every entrepreneur's opportunity to a 3 months overnight success. Mm. It's an excellent way to accomplish a bunch of things at the same time in a relatively short period of time. Mm. So here's what you can get out of hosting an online event. First of all, connecting with world-class leaders, entrepreneurs. That is one thing that is extremely valuable. You get to know them. They get to know you. You have built a relationship with them in the future. If you're looking to launch anything or partner with someone, you've already built that connection. You already have a thread with them. Second thing, instead of fighting for the attention of their audience, you are leveraging their audience, you are leveraging their expertise to attract their audience. So in other words, one of the ways you actually build this online event or summit is by requesting, kindly requesting from your speakers, to share the event, their interview with their audience. People wouldn't mind sharing with their audience if you highlight their expertise and give them their exposure. Because here's the thing, when you highlight their expertise, you're not highlighting their expertise to their audience, mm-hmm. you're highlighting their expertise to a hundred speakers audience, and they want that. So they wouldn't mind sharing that with their audience. Mm-hmm. Now, when you bring that, that audience comes to you, now you have an audience yourself. Now, that they have, they have built a trust with you. Mm-hmm. Having seen you talk to an expert like that, you have already strengthened your personal brand in the space and you've mm-hmm. built trust with their audience. When you have that audience, now, what you can do is you can launch other products and services, you can pre-sell ideas, mm-hmm. you can you know test ideas, you can do whatever you want to do with the audience that would obviously help them. So why launch an online event? For all of those reasons. Okay. I found I mean, I've, this is not the first time I do it. I've done it in different variations in the past, but this is really was the first time I personally and individually commit to doing it uh, by myself 100%. Okay. And thanks to 100 uh, interviews, which I which I conducted in about 50 days, not even probably 50 days. Um, I was able to pre-sell maybe you know eight or ten thousand dollars monthly uh, services uh, from the people who came, in addition to the five to six thousand dollars of the ticket purchases
0: right. events online. All right. So hold on a second. That you, you just said something very interesting there, and you said you were able to sell or pre $10,000 a month, right, in services yep. to the guests that you invited to speak? No, to their audience. To their audience, okay. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And then, so I'm looking at your article you wrote for entrepreneur.com, and it mm-hmm. says here there are six steps to creating an online event that is going to be impactful. So tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about those steps. Or do you want me to read it out to refresh your memory?
1: Yeah, let me refresh my memory to actually know exactly which ones I have picked. Um,
0: Okay. So you said here, define the topic, um, list 100 potential entrepreneurs or speakers, uh, reach out for an interview, ask them to promote the event, and then recruit promotional partners and be different.
1: Yeah. Exactly. All right. So we can start with the first one. So defining a topic, it can be a general topic, but the more specific you are, the better. Yeah. Yep. Because one of the things, for example, you know, I talk about talk about the goods and the bads of the recent launch of the bootstrapping summit, the bootstrapping summit. Bootstrapping is very general. Mm-hmm. There are people that are bootstrapping technology startups. There are people that are bootstrapping small businesses. There are people that are bootstrapping. Bootstrapping means self-funding without external funding. Mm-hmm. You are personally investing in launching this uh, this app, this this product or service. So the more specific you are, the better, because you may get few, I mean, a lot less people than 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 your target and who you wish to have. Mm-hmm. But the people that get uh, thanks to the promotion of those speakers are going to be more likely to convert in the future to buying products and services because they came for a reason. For example, yeah. if I said uh, bootstrapping, uh, bootstrapping um, perhaps um, lead generation companies, service lead generation services, then the people that come are going to learn to come to learn. About lead generation specifically, and then later when you launch a course about how to leverage uh, your marketing skills to launch a lead generation business and generate five thousand dollars a month in in monthly recurring revenue, then a lot more people are going to listen to you. Mm. So first of all, picking a topic, the more specific you are, the better. Okay. Any any questions about that before we No, move? no, no. Go on. All right. The second thing is to list at least 100 potential speakers. Now, you don't need 100. I've seen a lot of online events that have launched with 20, 30 speakers and have done very, very well. But mm. listing 100 potential guests is going to be important because out of the 100, the 100 pitches that you send, Most likely, you're going to get about 30, 40 confirmations of people who are interested in joining you. So list 100 people and then reach out to them. How do you find those 100 people? One of the ways I found easy is back to our initial conversation about uh, finding a channel with the least friction. In this case, finding a channel with the least friction means that people have been on other online events. Mm. So I don't have to explain what an online event is. Mm -hmm. I don't have to explain its benefits. I don't have to explain exposure and so on and so forth. All I have to tell them that this is going to be for an online event that I'm going to be featuring you on and I would love to have you on. Mm. When I got their confirmation, booked the time and date, and then we're good to go. Step number three, and if you have any other questions, please uh, let me know hmm. Uh-huh. All right. Reaching out for an interview. We talked about that. Ask them to promote the event. Now, this is the most important part of all. If they don't promote the event, then we obviously we still benefit our audience because we got them to speak about a certain topic and details. But we're going to leave so much on the table. So hmm. them to promote the event is going to be key here. And it's very important to mention this promotion as early as possible, okay. at least note to it in the beginning that we would really be inclined. If you could help us promote, would you be interested in doing that? If they you know, said no, or if they're not interested at all, or if they don't answer now, you know, feel free to still interview the person, but you want to have as many promotional partners or promotional guests as possible. That is going to be 90% of, uh, that's the, going to be the channel that's going to bring 90% of people to okay. your event. And it's going to help so much because people that come through them have already some trust built in the meanwhile. They trust who is recommending them and, and therefore they're going to trust you and they're more likely to convert later on when you want them to buy something.
0: Okay. So one thing I want to ask you here is that so promotional partners are not sponsors of the event. Are, are there a channel for you to monetize the event, or is it basically, hey, we're running this event, we need you to send this to your list, and then in exchange, we'll, we'll feature you prominently on the website, etc.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So it's it's an option. It's it's your choice. So you, okay. it's your decision. For me, I decided that it's more valuable to me to get people. To the event, and then a percent a percentage of them would hopefully convert into coaching clients that I can yeah. help uh, take to first paying customers. Then, you know, having to negotiate and and, and discuss you know the rates and, yeah. and all those things. So, I went to a few of those a few of those promotional partners. So, the, there's a difference between guest partner, or guest promoters, or those are the guests that come and send to their list, and mm-hmm. promotional partners. Those are Companies. A few of those companies are um, the founders of a few of those companies were founders that I interviewed, by the way. And then at the end of the conversation, I told them would they be interested if they have if I could promote their uh, company as well. But many others, I you know, cold emailed and told them who's what you know, told them about the bootstrapping summit, who's going to be on Mm -hmm. the names, and how I'm going to be able to promote them. And in exchange, I would like to get two dedicated emails to their audience a week before the event and in oh. the week of the event, and I sent them the copy. So I made it as, much e- as easy as easy possible. As possible. I did the same thing with the guests. I sent them the copy. All they had to do was maybe Tweets. copy paste, change a few things, tweak, mm-hmm. or if they wanted to uh, send their own, they were free to do that. Um, so that that's that was the channel uh, through which I got most of the people to the bootstrapping summit oh,
0: awesome now one of the biggest things after we, after we've talked about it, I can't just imagine the listener going okay that sounds great Abdul but guess what I don't know the technology to create a summit like this I don't I don't know how I'm going to jigger several different software to create this and host it and and promote this and do facebook ads and whatnot so so speak a little bit about overcoming the technological challenges in order to get this off the ground i can see that you're already highly skilled at bootstrapping so i already know you're going to have a quick quick method to go around whatever this person is thinking and saying hey i i need like a thousand Mm -hmm. software to get this to work
1: no. So, uh, again, you know, same approach I always followed. Um, I did need a landing page. So mm-hmm. land, that landing page was one that my team and I created, my designer designed and my programmer created. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of software, all you needed is, all I needed was um a a email service provider so to get people to subscribe and i needed uh some place to host the sessions for me at that time or for that specific uh project i used teachable okay um, and that was it those are the three things in terms of payment it was also integrated with teachable so i didn't have to worry about that um Literally, that is it. Those are all things I needed to, uh, t- technologically speaking, those are the things I needed to launch this, uh, this project.
0: Oh, awesome. So, so guys, I guess there you have it. It's, it's, it's so simple and easy. Anyone can do it. And I think you've inspired me to actually uh, take the leap and do an online event for next year. I've actually thought about it once or twice, but I was just like, you know, between client work, regular work, and just trying to write books and keep up my podcast, mm-hmm. I don't want to do one big event and then find people to interview but i interview people anyway i might as well make it it a big deal and say hey you know what let's focus on solving a particular problem and let's bring people to the table to actually just sit down for 30 45 minutes and just give straight up coaching no background information just hey let's tackle one specific problem so i think you've inspired me to to take that off for maybe the first quarter of next year and i'm definitely going to look forward to doing that it's a definitely an investment
1: worth making. I'm actually working. So thanks to that event, I mm. got the opportunity to, uh, to meet other entrepreneurs who are interested in building an audience, building a personal brand, mm. connecting with leaders, building partnerships. And I start working with Steve, who uh, has zero audience, who has been a farmer for 37 years, has got so much knowledge in the space but wants to start selling digital products and consulting products. And together, we're actually two weeks away from launching his online event. And thanks to that online event, he has interviewed 30 of some of the best people in the or most experienced people in the space, people that he said, you know, I it was really hard, you know, for, mm. to reach out and convince to even consider chatting with him. Mm. And so far, out of those 25 people, we have 15 people who have confirmed to promote to tens of thousands of people. Now, Steve, in about three months now, started two months ago, within three months, he's going to go from zero audience Mm -hmm. and zero chance of launching a digital product to people to over, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to say thousands of people Mm -hmm. who will be on his list, who would have trusted him because they saw him interact with those successful people, yeah. they saw him talk about his experience and talk and give insights and give strategies. Uh, so for those who are launching digital products, for low, for those who are launching co- coaching, consulting services, for those who those who are launching pretty much any type of product, but let's focus on service-based solutions, especially yeah. Yeah. if that is Something you're doing and something you want to actually grow, not just launch. I think this is an investment worth making. It will definitely, perhaps, ten x your expected outcome just from a three months investment in time
0: and a bit. Wow. Awesome. awesome, awesome, awesome! And, and you know what? You just said that you can do it in any. If Steve is in the farming space and he's doing an online summit. I'm sure, it's going to be in his niche, correct? It's not exactly about yeah. digital marketing. You can pretty much do an online summit in whether you're interested in crochet, basket weaving, candlestick making. You know, there's there's an audience for everything under the sun, believe it or not. And it's just a matter of finding where people like you congregate, reaching out to them, finding out who the leaders are in your industry, and then of course saying, Hey, you're putting something special just for us you know, our people, our tribe, and say, hey, why don't you come take a listen? If you like what you hear, you know what, you might want to work with me, you might want to work with one of the guest speakers, but hey, you know what, this is all about us and our tribe. Exactly. Awesome, awesome. 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 So my man, we've we've talked almost for an hour, and I really appreciate the conversation. So Absolutely. as we start to wind down the show, I want to ask you just a few wrapping up questions. Yeah. Now my first wrapping up question is this. Looking back on the trajectory of your career thus far, with everything you've gone through and everything you know, what do you think you could have done differently to help you leapfrog your success? Focus.
1: It's mm. focus, chi. Here's what I here's what I mean by that. You could be doing many things at the same time and you could do okay at many things, but you will never do exceptionally well on anything. Mm. If I had focused on accomplishing one single goal, let's say the example for Spotter, for example, if I had focused on that venture for maybe two, three more years, I would have probably exited the company with a seven figure exit, Mm. but I decided not to focus Aspire IT as well. I focused on working on many projects and then I started my other, you know, other ventures on the side. They have entrepreneurs.com, for example, where I have over, you know, where people, entrepreneurs can access over $23,000 in combined savings from over 90 uh, of the best products on the market. It Still exists right now. Mm. I launched uh amateurpreneur, actually acquired amateurpreneur, but then I grew it, which is a Slack group with over 2,800 people. I launched um, um guides.co. Actually, startup circle was different. This is you know another iteration of startup circle, but if I had focused, mm. I would have definitely uh leapfrogged uh, my career, uh, maybe two, three years. So, mm. whatever you're doing right now. Focus on it, uh, and um, and you will definitely reach your goal a lot faster.
0: Awesome. And on that note, um, what would you think has been the biggest lesson you've learned in this, your entrepreneurial journey when it comes to online events and doing things in the consulting space. What's the biggest lesson you learned based off on everything you know and the people you've interviewed and talked with? Well, here's the thing. I'll tell you what I learned, Chi. Um, one of the first
1: things I, you know, I'll talk from the perspective of the people I've interviewed, which are you know hundreds. But then I'll talk from my own experience. Mm-hmm. What what I've learned is, you know, focus is important, but it's all about consistency. You know, you okay. may not, you may, you may go back and forth here and there for a few months, for a few years, and maybe focusing on the wrong thing, but. You know, the number one thing that is consistent across every single person I spoke with, and including me, Mm. is that the results or their success story or their success happened 10, 15 years later.
0: Mm.
1: That's what I've learned. I learned that it's all about consistency. You know, business is all about consistency. So, whoever is, is listening to us and watching right now, um, if you, you know, truly believe in what you're doing, if you're passionate about it, uh, you know, just forget about the results. Forget about short-term results. Have, of course, short-term goals. Try to accomplish those short-term goals, but then you know, think about 10-15 years from now. Here's the difference between entrepreneurs and those who have full-time business uh, or have full-time jobs. Mm. You may start with you know $200,000, $300,000 a year job but it's likely going to be, that depends on the industry. But it's likely going to be there. Maybe increases by five percent a year for you know your whole life. Now, as an entrepreneur, you might start with twenty thousand this year, but you may go to eighty thousand next year. You may go back to fifty thousand, but then you can go back to four hundred thousand. You could go back to a million, two, mm-hmm. three, five million dollars. So those who are like you and have jobs and secured and all those things, you know, at the end of the day, they're not you know really, really secured because. You know, they're just following a path. Your path is to work for the your next 10 years, next 20 years. You get a lot better results in the future if you commit to what you're doing, if you're consistent at what you're doing.
0: True, true. And it, adding to that, i would also say it's not everyone that has to, what well, I say, jump into – bootstrapping or their startups right away you can also do it in such a smart way where Okay, maybe you work, but then you also focus on your free time and say, I'm going to cut out Netflix. I'm going to cut out going to the bars and pubs. I'm going to spend the four hours in the evening when I get back from work, maybe eat, rest, and then work on my business to the point where once I start getting those three, four, five customers through doing non-scalable work, I can now transition because I know where a lot of young entrepreneurs miss it is that they hear, oh yeah, just go bootstrap and then you make a ton of money and then you go. I want to also count it with the fact that Abdul is doing it the smart way. Many people do it the smart way. You have to also sit down and think and say, hey, uh, Bank of America needs to get their credit card payments, or yeah. you have to pay rent, or you have to buy food. So just focus, be consistent, but also be smart about your time management is, 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 I think, the one key thing that we haven't added to this. And just make sure that, you know what, Netflix and all those TV shows will always be there. Whenever you get back and you have free time, but the time you have to invest when you're young and when you're energetic is now. So rather than focusing on going to bars, clubs, or whatever, just sit down, grind it out. Yes, your friends will say, oh, you're being boring, but guess what? Five, 10 years down the road, when you're sitting pretty in your Lambo or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) then we'll we'll know who's actually chilling and who's actually having to slave away to get a 2% raise every year. So, Look, uh, go ahead, yeah, chief. No, 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 just, no, fine. No, yeah, yeah, so no. I wanted to mention something about like a current
1: example. I'm working with uh, Jan. He's he's he currently holds a full time job. He is in, in in Germany right now. And Jan Koch? I'm sorry, Jan Koch? No, okay, no, okay. Benedict. Jan Benedict. Okay. Uh, we we started working um, two months ago. He still has his. 50 hour week full time job. And we start talking, you know, he's always wanted to pursue a career in entrepreneurship. Um, and you know, we started trying, we started quantifying what that means.
0: Um,
1: we told them, well, first of all, I told him, well, first of all, you have to completely forget about that because you still don't even have a viable solution. You still have, don't even have a first customer. One of the things I found over the years is that most of us start, most of us think about our hundredth customer. We don't, we don't even have one customer. Mm-hmm. So, we forgot completely about that. Two months later, he's generating seven thousand euros a month in recurring revenue, and now right. we start having that conversation. We said, what is your quit your job number? Mm. Is it $10,000 a month mm. for three consecutive months? Mm. Is it you know $5,000 a month for five consecutive months? What is that number? Mm. Now you can start quantifying things. Now you can start having projections and you have a clearer direction. But in the beginning, absolutely, you don't even consider quitting your job. Mm. No matter what you're doing, even if you're starting a small business that requires a lot of your involvement, a lot of your time, you start on the side. You do it for as long as you can. Once you get some traction, once you get some consistent traction, now you have some historical data. Mm-hmm. This historical data you can use to project when you could possibly quit your job and focus 100% of the company. Now, if Jan reaches his $10,000 mark a month, then he knows that if he quits his job, he's going to be able to Support get himself. that to $20,000 because mm-hmm. he has all, all the time in the world mm-hmm. and he would be able to obviously support himself and his family. Mm. Uh, so that's that's my um, my my uh, my example about about that, and it's very important. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: it's it's very important to minimize risk. Yes. Um, and and reduce it as long as you can before yeah. uh, committing one hundred percent. There are ways to to alleviate business risk. Mm-hmm. There is always risk, but there is a way to alleviate business right. risk.
0: And as we say in finance, you you can hedge away everything. So exactly, it's better to make that hedge than to just jump in because that's one thing. Because even, even till today, I've I've actually met. Forty year old entrepreneurs who say they're just going to quit the job cold turkey and then go start a startup. And I'm like, dude, you have a mortgage, you have car notes, you have you can't just go cold turkey, no matter how much you hate your job. You have to do this strategically. So if 40-year-olds are making that mistake, I can guarantee you uh, college students, 20-year-olds are also making that mistake. So so let's just help everybody stay on the same path to entrepreneurship and say, hey, you know what, do it smartly, hedge your bets, and then you'll be successful. And then when you have all the free time after you've transitioned, you can just, you know, hockey stick that growth to infinity. Exactly. That's the right way to do it, yeah. Yeah. So with that said, Abdul, it's been a pleasure having you on the show for the past one hour. But before I let you go, do you have any final words of wisdom? And where can people find you and reach out to you if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing? Absolutely. So my my, my last words are going to be the
1: following. You have a skill. No matter how entrepreneurial you are, whether you are in that right extreme or left extreme you have a skill that you have to leverage, really.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say that, Chi, you know, even if we we love our jobs, even if we love what we do, you know, people need you in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have things that people would benefit greatly from and would uh, gladly compensate you for your time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So whatever you do, don't hesitate to to leverage your skills to serve people get compensated for it even if you do it on the side and obviously if you want to commit to it full-time then it's a different story we just talked about how to do that start on the side minimize risk uh, calculate your quit my job number and then uh, when you get to that point you can you can quit um, at ease Uh, if you want to learn more actually i have calls with entrepreneurs every day I put my calendar in the homepage, in the beginning section of the homepage of my website, which is abdoriani.com. Abdo, A-B-D-O r i Riani, a n i dot com. Um, find me there. Uh, book a 30-minute call. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a quick call. And I look forward to, to helping you out and contributing to the success of your entrepreneurial journey. Um, I look forward to speaking
0: with you. That's it. Awesome. And um in addition to all that, you can also find Abdo. He's a contributor to Entrepreneur.com and to several other large publications around the Internet. So he's always repeatedly sharing his words of wisdom and his knowledge to help you be the best entrepreneur that you can be. So if you don't go to Startup StartupCircle.com... And if you don't get on his website, you can also find him an entrepreneur. And then when you've learned more about what he does and you're comfortable with him, you can also reach out to him. He's easily accessible. Connect with him on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. So... With that said, my friend, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I've taken a bunch of personal notes for myself wow. and not for the audience. So <laughs> I love doing this because I not only get a lot from the interview, I get a lot personally. Sorry. But then I also have to, to share with the audience. But I, I, honestly, I do this just for myself. So yeah. I really want to thank you for coming to share your story and your words of wisdom with, with the other Bulletproof audience out there. It was my pleasure, Chi. Thank you very, very much for having me on. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. If you love this episode with Abdul Riyadi and you're loving the podcast in general, please leave a review and a comment on iTunes. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can also give us some ratings and five stars on wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, whether it's TuneIn, Podbean, Amazon Echo, Google Play. Overcast, wherever, you know, we're on over 100 podcast distribution platforms out there and your reviews, your comments and your likes and your shares helps other listeners find the show so that that way we can continue to bring more great guests to come and share their stories that are going to inspire you and give you those, you know, those hidden secrets of success that you need to get on the path to success for whatever business journey you're on right now. So with that said, I wish you a very, 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 very excited and prosperous 2019. I know this is going to be a year where you break all the chains and make things happen for yourself. And I would love to hear your comments and your questions. And, you know, just give me a shout out. Send me an email at chi at odogwu.com. That's chi com. So, You guys being the listeners, you you know, I do this for you. I don't put any ads, I don't put any comments in here, I don't put anything commercial. I make it so that, you know what, I get the meat of the story and I can send it to you on Varnish. But of course, it does take a little bit of time and effort to, you know, reach out to guests to put the show together, edit, package, and everything. So, if you could do me a small favor just by, you know, sending me your emails and your comments and saying, Hey, Chi, you know, I love what you're doing, keep up the great work. You know, it really goes a long way to making sure that this podcast keeps on going and growing. So with that said, guys, wishing you a very, very happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and of course, a prosperous, exciting, providential, and supersonic 2019. I hope you crush it this year with whatever you're doing. And of course, if you're going to change your life, please do it with style. Till next time, guys. Cheers. Bye.